and welcome to Filmmates. I'm Leif. And I'm JJ. Here at Filmmates, we make use of both our film degrees and our real-life industry experience to analyze popular movies and shows on a more technical level. This week, we're taking a look at Mean Girls. Hoo boy, Mean Girls. Yeah. So, what was the first time you watched that movie? I think I was probably in middle school, I want to say. Yeah. I feel like I was definitely, like, pretty young, and I didn't get all the jokes. Yeah, here's the thing. The first time I watched Mean Girls, I was I was late. I was late on the uptake. I didn't watch it until I was in high school. Okay. Until I was, like, maybe a junior in high school. I was really late on a lot of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't get into My Chemical Romance until I was in high school either, even though everybody our age was getting into it in middle school. Yeah. Like, I'm really low, really slow. I think I, actually, I think I actually watched Mean Girls with, like, older cousins, and so they knew all the jokes and would laugh at things that I just didn't get, <laughs> and I was like, oh. Yeah, now, I watched Mean Girls with my best friend in the room. We took a break from uh, uh, watching the original Avengers movie. Fi- no, we, okay, so, <laughs> me, we were big Marvel heads in high school, and we watched the original Avengers movie maybe 10, 20 times in her little room together, and we took a break from that very, very briefly to watch Mean Girls. I remember it being very funny uh, when I watched it. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and here's my thing. Like, I I remember it being really funny, but I didn't really remember. Like, I remember some jokes, and I specifically remember specific scenes, but I don't remember everything. Yeah. I, I remember the lines more than I do the visuals, which... There's a good reason for that. Yeah. Woo, boy. Okay, so for context, Mean Girls is probably the lowest budget thing we have covered so far. It's got a budget that's lower even so than um, Spy Kids. It's got- 7,000? No, 17,000. It's only 17,000. I thought it was 17,000,000 when you first told me, because that's- Oh, wait, no, it is 17,000,000. Whoops. Okay, I was like, seven, nobody makes films on thousands of dollars unless it's a short. Yeah, it is a, well, no, actually. Well, you were, you would have to be an indie film, and this is not an indie film. No, it isn't. It is definitely not an yeah, indie no, film. Yeah, uh, no, Mean Girls only has a budget of 17 million. That's nothing. That's, like, nothing. Yeah, the only person making movies for less right now is Robert Rodriguez and M. Night Shyamalan. He literally just, Robert Rodriguez literally just made a $7,000 film. Well, that's amazing. Um, I mean, like, M. Night Shyamalan is making $1,000 films right now, but he's also using mostly unpaid interns. Wait, wait, wait. What movie has M. Night Shyamalan made lately that's only $1,000? Um, the movie he did in the forest with the grandparents' house. I that was my... only $1,000? No, $1 million. Oh, oh, okay. I was gonna say, there's no way that movie was a, only $1,000. Yeah, he's doing this whole $1 million out of his own pocket thing right now. Of course. Uh, and honestly, his out-of-studio work is better than his in-studio work right now. That That is true. Um, yeah, so... As a result of this having such a small, small budget, that that causes problems. It means that you don't have as much time. It means you don't have as much resources. And it's very clear that the lack of budget came out in the time because the, the crew, the cast and the crew, are like the cast and crew of like a normal-sized yeah. film of this nature. Um, like, a lot of these actors actually normally do films for like $1 million a picture. Films. Yeah, I mean, or it, like a quarter of a million dollar, like quarter million dollar a picture type deals. Well, you have to keep in mind though some of these some of these actors got their careers started, but there's also bigger names like Tina Fey. Um, yeah. The principal was a bigger name. I forget his. Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name for some reason. But I know he was in a lot of big things. Let's see, Tim um, Meadows. Oh my gosh, Tim Meadows. Yeah, he's. Pretty huge. Rachel McAdams was pretty big already at that point. Rachel McAdams, you mean? Rachel McAdams. Because it sounded like you said Rachel McAdams, <laughs> and I'm not sure what kind of a name that yeah, is. Yeah, but like Amy Poehler, like these are all pretty big names. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, this was back when they were on SNL. 
I think. Yeah. Like just after. So they weren't cheap. Um, no. I mean, no, some no. of the younger people definitely got their start. Like Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, and um, Lindsay Lohan. Was, this was kind of the beginning of her career. I mean, she did, uh, she might have been a little bit more than, she definitely cost more than Amanda Seyfried. Because yeah. she, she was, already did shoot Freaky Friday. It didn't come out yet when they shot this. And she already shot, obviously, The Parent Trap. No, I think it had come out. It's just that when they casted her originally. Ah. Uh, I would I be think shocked if they what started I remember shooting, reading. though. Yeah, yeah, they probably did. But, uh, we, you, like, this film is one of those things where, yeah, you can tell that the, the low budget affected time the most because it feels like there was next to no pre-production on a lot of these things. Like, production design had issues lighting and cinematography had a lot of issues it was just like even the script like they obviously went with an earlier script and they cut a bunch of stuff out it felt like i feel like well okay so i feel like that was more i mean it happens with every film yeah no no i i feel like that was less a result of lack of pre-production and more uh they made a edgier movie than they were able to get away with uh I, yeah, that could have been it. I just feel like they... Yeah, well, that was more of it. That's yeah. what most of their reshoots and, and cuts were, mm-hmm. were, were because they made an edgier film that they were allowed to get away with. Yeah, which I'm shocked with because of the... the I'm shocked with some of the stuff they got away with with the age of Lindsay Lohan because she was only 16 when they were filming this film. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that, the fact that she is actually 16 makes a lot of the, some of the shots really creepy, and... And some of the things that the directors said, but we'll, we're well, gonna, that, that's, that's another thing. Yeah. I, I do think it's really interesting that they have, um, Rachel McAdams as, um, the mean girl. Yeah. Uh, because of the fact that she is also, like, in her 20s, like, she was, like, 25, I think, at the time of the filming of this film, whereas, yeah. like, everybody else was, like... Most of the teen act, like the teenagers, were played by actual teens or people, and they're like, yeah. And I think that's because she was one of the last people that they cast. Because originally they had um, Lindsay Lohan as Regina George, and then I remember I I listened to an interview, and basically they were like, we couldn't find anybody to play to play Katie. We we really couldn't find anybody who just fit that role, and we were like. And uh, the director was like, well, he already worked with Lindsay Lohan on a, on Freaky Friday, and he knew, you know, uh, what she could do. And he was like, oh, let's have her play Katie Heron instead and find somebody else for Regina George. Yeah. Um, I'm so. really glad they did that, because I honestly don't think that Lindsay Lohan at that time could have pulled it off. I mean, I think she could have. I just don't think she plays Caddy Mean as well as she plays... Sweet. The girl next door. Like, she even has the, the look and the feel of a girl next door type yeah, type character. Um, the archetype. And I think that they were kind of going with what the archetype was. Yeah. Um, whereas Rachel McAdams feels like a mean girl. Yeah. Um, and so do, like, the other girls that her her friends. Um, Amanda, sorry and uh, who's the other one played by? I... Uh, Gretchen Wieners is played by Lacey Chabbert? Shabbert? Shabbert? I don't know, but they both, they all feel like they would be in that clique. They all fit, and I feel like... Yeah. I feel like, Lin, like, I don't, I don't feel like I could even imagine Lizzie Lohan being Regina George. <sighs> also, they wouldn't have been able, like, they, they put her, like, I also feel like I would, I would be uncomfortable with the fact that if she played Regina George, because... They put Regina George in a lot of sexual situations. Yeah. That I feel like would be, a, like, just very uncomfortable to have an actual teenager do. Playing, and I think that might and be And I actually awesome. don't think they could have gotten away with it. Yeah, because she was almost nude in the scene where uh, they, she almost gets walked in on. She's in her underwear and, pa- uh, and bra. No, she isn't. Yes, she is. No, she is not. Mm-hmm. She definitely is not. Hold on, let me pull up that scene. No, it's before this. She almost gets caught. Oh, oh, you're talking about a different scene. You're talking about... 
Why would you do? What scene did you think I was talking? I thought about? you were talking about the scene where Amy Poehler comes in and is like, "No, do I'm you want any condoms." I'm talking about the scene where her, um, her and that guy are about to hook up in that room, and then Aaron Samuels almost opens the door, but then he walks in on just him, like looking nude for some reason. It's, it's a really awkward scene. There we go. Yep. See. Oh yeah, you're right. Yep, she is in her her. She's in a bra and her skirt. And I mean, you see younger actors. Actually, no, you don't really see younger actors in even ba- bikinis that much. Yeah, you're right. You're, normally, when you get like a teenager in a bikini, they're actually played by like twenty to thirty year olds. Yeah. Okay, so like on a technical angle, this film has a lot of problems. There are some good bits, but mostly not great. Um, and you can really tell that it is a result of a lack of pre-production and a lack of budget in a lot of places. One of those places is production design, which has some, some mixed, it's, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, like, here's the thing. I think that the school looks like a school, the production, like, the- Because it is a school. The projection room looks like a projection room. It's really hard to mess up a school most of the time because they're normally already built sets for- because they're a school. A school yeah. is a school. So, like, they, it's hard to fuck that up. Yeah, a lot of their sets are like that. The mall, it's a mall. It's a mall. They basically shoot inside of a, um, a, 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 a body a, shop. A, a, yeah, 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 yeah. A body uh, shop is a body shop. And, like, not, like, an auto body shop. Like, the, the, the skincare brand, the body, body shop. shop. Basically, they shoot in, like, a store that looks generally like that. It's probably, like, an off-brand of that kind of store. And I guarantee you the stuff that they're stocking is stuff that was just already there. Definitely. I, I, don't, I think that they shot this in a mall. They closed the mall for the day. Could have been for the night. Yeah, they could have let it and done it at night. Um, that would have made the most sense. Um, I mean, even Mallrats was shot in a mall, and, uh, that was really low budget, too. Yep. Um, so, like, they got a mall. They probably just got it out of the fact that also, like, Tina Fey was a pretty big name, and... Got some favors. Got from promo, basically. Yep. Um, and then, but the, the, the sets that really lacked, I think, were the houses, yeah. So, um, Regina George's, I think, is the worst. Like, it's a really, obviously, nice house. And I think the issue with some of the houses was the fact that they, um, were borrowing the house. They mm-hmm. might have knew the person who owned it, and they couldn't move around much because they wouldn't let them. And so they just put things over top of things. They might have let them take stuff down from the walls, but I don't think they let them do too much. Yeah, like, like, Regina George's room is the most obvious with this. Like, the drapes on the windows are not ones that Regina George would have ever used. The patio furniture on the patio behind her, uh, like, behind her room didn't make sense. Um, It just felt like it was somebody's master bedroom, and they just added some extra stuff. Or it might have been even, like, if it was a really nice house, it might have just been a guest bedroom. But it was a really... No, I definitely think it was a master bedroom. I do, too. there's that bathroom that's off of it that's really um, opulent. But, yeah, so, like, they just, they kind of, I think, just, like, threw things over top of things and then put up posters on the wall. And it, it's kind of the same stuff that people do on, like, indie films that don't have a big budget or they do it on films that are, like, student films where they don't have a big, they don't have a, a lot of But what was most noticeable credit. is, in the lack of pre-production, is you could tell... They didn't have her look at storyboards, or they might not even had storyboards. I, I doubt they have sto- They had storyboards for yeah. multiple reasons. Do you want to explain storyboards? Uh, well, we'll get to that when we get to the cinematography. Okay, yeah. But also, I feel like even the other houses, we don't really see much of them except for the phone call for the two other girls. They probably just shot them in the same location they did either Caddy's house or they did, um... Or the same location they did Regina's house. All in the same go because, it, like, the background looks exactly the same. Yeah, I and think they just, they maybe had one or two other houses besides Regina. Uh, and they just used different spots in the house. Yeah, and the one thing, because, like, for me it makes sense that there's not a lot of personal touches in the main house of Regina's house. Because it makes sense for the type of family they are. Like, a really wealthy family and... They don't, like... Yeah, have they're you more ever... About, they're more about, like, their opulence as opposed to, like, personal touches. Have you ever... Rich people... Have you ever been in the house of somebody who's just extremely wealthy? Yeah, I actually filmed um, a student project in a house that had uh, 
that actually had wallpaper that was made out of actual gold. For fuck's sake, why? Why would you do that? They also had stuff they bought from museums, and some of the stuff was definitely stolen from other places they shouldn't have got it from. Also, but, a lot of museums are um, like But that. yeah, they definitely had, like, um, we had, like, there's a blood splatter scene, and we had to, like, they, we had to move out a carpet because they, if blood got on the carpet, it would have been the end of the world because the carpet was millions of dollars. I was terrified of this carpet. I was terrified of the walls. I refused to touch the walls. <laughs> I refused to actually go inside of the house at one point. Okay, yeah, yeah. Rich people are like minimalism plus one or two things that they specifically very much like. Okay, I shot an interview for this guy who's the CEO of a investment firm. And this guy was fucking, he's like your very stereotypical business rich white guy. We shot in his basement, which was like pure white carpet. And then there was like all this gambling stuff because this guy was fucking obsessed with gambling. And he oh. has this story of how he's like, he was with his fucking toddlers at like this casino resort they were staying at. And he tells this story with such pride where he's like, Oh, my kids were really upset because they couldn't go to the gambling tables. That I was so proud because they were definitely my kids. And I was like, what are you? Hey, did you know that Atlantic City has kitty casinos? My grandmother used to take me. I'm not even shocked with what I know about your grandmother. She really likes it. My grandmother is a, is a trip. I love her. Yeah, your entire family is a trip. But back to, like, not having many things on walls and stuff like that, the thing that gets me, really, is this really loving family that doesn't, which is um, the Herrings, like, um, Caddy's family. Her home also feels like it lacks that many personal touches. Yeah, it feels like a very generic home with a few things spread about from their time in Africa, like the, the fertility vases. But I also didn't like the fertility vases in the sense that they look like they're just something they got from, like, Pure one, like pure one import. Yeah, they did like not look Ikea. at all like. So, but the thing that got me was that everything that they did have about Africa felt very like generic, um, and and kind of weird. Like it's, I feel like it's kind of weird that um, Caddy had like a map of Africa on her wall for some reason. Yeah, you'd think it would be a, like a map of the specific country they stayed in, if anything. If anything, that or maybe just like a world map. I feel like if you live in Africa your whole life, you might and your family's from America, you might be more invested in, like, travel in general, so, like, maybe a real-world map would have made sense, or, like, even just postcards from the places she stayed at in Africa. Yeah. But, like, I just didn't feel like a map really hit, and then she had, like, a random picture of an elephant that they have the weirdest intro to seeing, where they have, like, a weird yes, musical yes. cue. They have okay, the okay, okay, so they're at the... Like, uh, Katie has a party, a wild party at her house by accident, and Aaron Samuels comes up to her bedroom and, like, looks around and, like, peeks around at some of her stuff and moves aside a picture of Katie and all the other plastics. Which is also a really bad picture of them, too. Yeah, but I think that makes sense. She, he moves aside this picture and with this obnoxious... Like, really cheesy musical cue kicks in as it reveals a picture of Katie next to an elephant. Because that apparently means she's a deep person because she stood next to an elephant in Africa. Yeah, like, oh. I mean, it is like, oh, she's cute because this is a picture of her not trying. And that's a picture of her trying. But it also just feels like, oh, this is a little bit. This is like a little bit like her, her, like, it's weird. Like, her, like, her room feels like they were only given, like, very limited ideas of what's important to Katie. Well, they don't give her much of a personality, in my opinion. Yeah, they don't give her any, like, interests. Like, is she interested in any, like, well, like, anything? Like, she like, has a big sack of CDs because all teenage girls in that time period But here's the like thing. She CDs. was staying in, I forget which country they say in Africa, but, like, I, They pretty much generically just said Africa, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they did! But, like, you would think that, and she clearly knows the language, because she uses it. Yeah. And, uh, so you'd think that she, maybe a lot of her stuff would be pop culture stuff from that country. Whatever country she was staying in Africa. What are the teens in that that country into? 
And it's normally not what, what people think it is either. Yeah, it, it could be, like, any number of things, and that could have been, like, a really cool and interesting... Yeah, they do treat Africa as if it's, like, a country sometimes. Yeah, they do. Because they go Africa, and then they do tribes. They don't do Africa in specific countries. countries. And, like, which country she's in could have, like, radically changed what experience she had there. It's just some generic piece of African savanna yeah. is where she stayed. This is a piece of Africa that also has elephants. That's where she's at. Yeah. That's all we know. <laughs> but there's also just, like, a lack of, like, really um, any depth to her character. Yeah. And that, but so, like, she likes math. She likes math. She's smart. D- but we don't really know what her goals in life are or what she wants. So, like, I, I don't... That's one thing that the uh, sequel actually does where they have, like, they explore the fact that you the, watched the fucking sequel. I watched them with my niece. Okay. It wasn't out of my own volition. I watched it with somebody who wanted to see it. Um, but yeah, they actually did something where they were like, she's really into wood shop, and she wants to go into like kind of like electrician stuff because she wants to like because she made like clocks and stuff. Um, like Regina feels like a more developed character in that sense than then yeah like then Kitty because she clearly has in certain interests. I mean almost all of them do. Yeah. More than her, which is weird because she's the main character. Like Janice has art. Yeah. Or, or Damien has art. singing. The the mathlete guy. And he also is like in charge of like he also does a lot of stuff with the culture club and things like that. Yeah, the the mathletes uh, guy um, uh, has like he's big into hip hop and, and he likes math <laughs> and he likes math and he's um, the one girl can tell the news with her boobs that she really can't but she can't like uh but you can just tell that because there was not this discussion of like what is she interested in the production designer didn't know what to do yeah. except put up generic Africa stuff. And the thing about it is, this production designer is actually pretty good. She actually did do Spy Kids 1, which is a pretty well, like, is a very well-designed film, and she's done other works that are well done. So it's not as if this was, like, their first project, and they aren't, like, other projects they do aren't good. No, it's definitely their relationship with the director and their time that they had to do it. And, that was the and issue. JJ and I have both worked on production design before, and we, we can tell. Yeah. Just from the way that they set things up, what they did. Like, you, you can see the thought process or lack of available thought process that that, that went into that. Yeah. Um, but one part of production design or, well, the art department in general, that two things that actually went very well were wardrobe and makeup. Yeah. Um, wardrobe, I, I really like the fact that the wardrobe, while it's not necessarily timeless... It's not really dated. Yeah. This was during the rise of, like, um, really weird fashions from, like... Oh, yeah, the... the Gwen Stefani the and Britney Spears. were a mess. Let's let's not ever return and to pink, that. And um, pink, all the, the... jeans, everything. Oh, my gosh, remember um, Ju- uh, Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears doing the full... The fucking jeans! The jute! The jute! The jean suit, the jute, and the, um... The jean dress with the hat. dress? Yeah. Um, like, dress? <laughs> that was a mess. Why did they do that? I don't know. Um, but, uh, but, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you could t- clearly tell, like, the outfits are very 2000s. But it's in a way that, like, if somebody posted a photo wearing some of Regina George's outfits on Instagram, I would feel like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, like, the only people, person who I think got dated really was, um, Janice, but her costume, it kind of makes sense because she's, like, the outcast girl. She doesn't care. Well, actually, She looks like they she... got inspired by Breakfast Club. <laughs> even she's not too dated because even still there are a lot of, there's a very specific subculture that's still definitely wearing shit like I wore that wearing. stuff in high school. Sometimes. <laughs> I, I went through a phase, actually, no, middle school, I went through a phase like that. There was a guy who made fun of me and called me Gmo because he couldn't figure out if I was goth or emo. And I didn't <laughs> even know what I was. I think I was grunge. What laugh was that that I just <laughs> uttered? What was that sound? I don't know. Um, yeah, I I can't really relate to that because I didn't really have clothing. I I went to a sc- <laughs> he went to a nudist school. Clothes were not required apparently. <laughs> yeah, I went to a I went I went to a private Christian school for thirteen years. We had a uniform, and here's the thing. Here's the thing you don't think about when you uh, when it comes to uniform, is uh. 
y'all who go to like schools that don't have a uniform have to like actually buy like regular clothes so you can not be nude every day. <laughs> but if you go to a, a school with a uniform, you just wear the uniform and then you go home and then you wear your pajamas. You weren't even allowed to accessorize. Could you have like bracelets or scarves? Yeah, 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 yeah. You could have okay, that. Okay, there's at least that. Because I know some private schools who don't allow that and I'm like, that's Technically so our school didn't allow a lot of that, but like some people. Did it anyway? Some people could get away with it. Um, were you allowed to have silly bands? Did you have silly bands? Oh, yes, we had silly bands. I remember trading them in class. We are immediately dating how old exactly we are <laughs> by saying that so we we encountered silly bands in freshman year of high school. Wait, oh, that was freshman year? That was like freshman, sophomore year. I still have silly bands at my house. In this bag. I never got any. My brother did. I have bags of silly bands. Um, yeah, there were some people who had just, like, a ridiculous amount that I had so all up many. their arms. I remember trading them with people. I had a lot of the animals because I cared about animals more than I cared about the ones that were shaped like ice cream cones. I don't know what other ones. But anyway, yeah, that's got nothing to do with this. But yeah, but there was no... It wasn't, like, super dated. Even the stuff in her room wasn't super dated, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I also like how there was a gradual... They used the wardrobe... And the makeup to convey information about Katie. Like, her wardrobe and makeup gradually changed to be more like the plastics as the film continued. Yeah, in the beginning of the film, they were, she was wearing, like, basically, like, jeans and a t-shirt and nothing really bad. Like, brown, I think. It was very subdued. And she was wearing, um, she was wearing very minimal makeup, and then she got with the plastics, and she had that pink scene where she was wearing his oversized yeah, Damien, she was wearing Damien's polo top. Which is weird, because that's very, not the gay stereotype that they try to make him to be. Um, which is interesting, even though they definitely try to set him up as the gay stereotype. But that purple suit was great. That purple Those suit purple was. suits, both of them, were great. They, they were, they were interesting. For sure. I think that, the, I don't like them as, like, I would want to wear them, but they're more just, like, well, that's... that That's an experience and a statement. <laughs> that It's not as fun as the fact that the one girl had a K backwards on her chest, but, you know... That was so fucking funny <laughs> that she just did that. I, uh, yeah. She's, um... Um, but it was pretty great. And then there and was, And I also um, liked how, after, at the end of the film, her, she sort of adopted a look that was kind of in the middle. Yeah, like, she definitely, like, she learned how to do makeup. Because, like, here's the one thing I really, really liked. In the, when she first started wearing makeup with the plastics, it was slightly overdone, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And, like, it wasn't as good. And then when she started learning from the plastics, it got, like, makeup artist quality makeup on her. Yeah. And her hair was always done. Like, it went from being, like, straight ironed every day to being curled and yeah styled very nicely. And, um... Even her clothes, like, there's a progression of, like, her getting clothes and also wearing less and less. Yeah. Um, like, she went from wearing, yeah, like, the oversized to, like, wearing jeans and a nice shirt to wearing, um, like, skirts and, like, really nice skirts, like, frilly, cute, baby blue and pink skirts and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then, um, then at the end she was wearing, like, a Basically, she was wearing what she was wearing in the middle. She was wearing, like, a nice shirt and a pair of, um, and a pair of jeans. Yeah. Um, which fit. Yeah. Um, and also, but here's the interesting, Regina looked like Caddy did in the beginning at the end. Yeah. And I thought that was also interesting, even though the fact that that whole storyline didn't make sense to me, um, for but other reasons. Yeah. Uh, but... I do think that was interesting. Yeah. Um, they also did other things with, like, makeup and, like, definitely stuff that's, like, production design-wise that were good. Like, um, remember the boobs? So the fake boobs look really fake, which is the, obvious. Like On they, Amy Poehler. On Amy Poehler. Yeah. So it's, it's supposed to be obvious because they literally tell us that's going to be obvious. Um, and... The dog bites it because they put a wiener. Yeah, on like it. A Amy Poehler literally pinned a piece of cocktail wiener 
to like the fake tit or something and now that i know it when i went back to watch that scene i could see the piece of cocktail wiener that she had yeah pinned like underneath the shirt just to get the chihuahua to gnaw at it yeah and i also um that was that's just fun and funny and uh, i think that works for the big comedy the one thing that i didn't like i really didn't like about the costuming was regina george's fake butt yeah, that was really weird. When she's starting to gain weight and she gets a fat ass. She also, like, gets a little bit of pudge. They put, like, a like one of those pregnancy bellies on her that that's, like, early pregnancy. But that one doesn't, like, look weird. And yeah. Bad. But the butt, like, you can tell that you it's can really, really fake. See, yeah, you can, like, see the outlines on the padding. And so I was just like, oh. That's unfortunate. Uh, it doesn't, it's not believable at all. Yeah. Um. But there's not much else to say about it. Yeah. I mean, it's good, and it's some of, that's just one of the very bad things. All right, so then that leads us into uh, lighting and cinematography, which were, oof, you could tell. Actually, wait a minute. Go back. Wait, what? There was one set that was actually really good. What? I really liked the basement set. I think that was just somebody's basement. Yeah, but I just really liked it. Yeah, I thought it looked I good. I thought it looked like what I would imagine Janice and Damien just hanging out in. I actually think it was a garage. It might have been. I think it was a garage that that had pi- things piled into it. And I think that was a combination of set dressing and also that's just what somebody's garage looked like. I liked it and I feel like it fit who their characters were. I liked yeah. the television they used for it. Like yeah, that, uh, that was, was my favorite, I think, out of everything. Yeah, I think I think that was that was a nice bit of detail. We barely ever see it, but I still like it. Yeah. And I like Janice Ian's art. Yeah, yeah, I liked I did like her art because I thought it looked, like, good for a high schooler. And it also looked like something that character would make. Yes. That's all. <laughs> yeah, uh, so going into the lighting and cinematography, holy shit, it was not good. Um, the light, like, you can really tell... That it's lit. And you shouldn't tell that it's lit. Yeah. I know. Um, well, li- lighting is a little bit different for that rule because sometimes you can tell that it's, like, clearly lit, but it's stylistic in the way. Yeah, but, I mean, no, here's the thing. You either do two different routes with things when it comes to, like, um, lighting. You either... This uh, this was... A... This is not supposed to be a uh, stylistic movie, though. No, it is not. Like, this is not no, a... No, um... not lighting-wise, anyway. Yeah, at least not lighting-wise. It's not a um, Vincent Von Trier film. Vincent Von Trier? Who what the fuck is Vincent Von Trier? Cut this out, okay? Lar- you mean Lars Von Trier? I'm putting two different people together. Lars Von Trier or a... Um... Yeah, it's not a Taika Waititi. It's not a... Von Trier film. It's not a, um, it's not of these films. It's a set in a high school. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's not shot, like, here's my thing. It should be lit like Pretty Little Liars is lit, but it's not. Yeah, well, here, okay, so here's the thing. You could really tell, A, that they didn't have a lot of time in pre-production to really come up with the lighting schemes. I also I w- don't think they had a, not a lot of time on set. I think they were yes. rushing in these locations. Here's the thing. I feel like a lot of the lighting, especially in the school, is they just changed out the natural bulbs that were there for for their colored bulbs and just went with it. Because that that is what you do a lot of the times. Well, yeah. And then they did some spotlight, like some specific lighting on certain actors when they did close-ups and faces i guess yeah yeah they did some and then they faked projectors and stuff like that but the faking of the projector was probably the worst lighting and then also the bathroom yeah the bathroom looked really bad uh so a lot of the lighting was really hard light in places where there was no need for it to be hard light there was a lot of times where you'd have the hair light was like so hard Oh yeah, the one the one that really got me was the one in Regina George's room when she's on the phone, and it's just like her whole hair is like, like white on the top, way blown out. Her hair often gets way blown out. It's like, did you not use one of those um fucking white meters? Yeah, I I thought there was like a fancy word for it. Nope, that it's I was, a light meter. It's just a light meter. Yeah, because like normally they use a light meter. Yeah, but it's they like they clearly just did not have enough time to do a light meter or to use a light meter to like check to see if it's overexposed or like to do any kind of like yeah. really real thought into it and there were 
a few times where like the lighting was dra like very inconsistent in between wides and close-ups like for example the projector scene so um in this scene uh, they're in a classroom and it's dark and the projector's going and um it's aaron and uh katie are talking to each other and she's inviting him to her party and in the wides there's this very harsh light coming off the projector onto the sides of their faces but when you and it's like very hard light and it doesn't at all make sense with the projector that's there like that wouldn't be the kind of light that the projector gives off uh but then in the close-ups it's a nice softer light that feels more naturalistic with the projector and what it would do and it looks a lot better and it's like why couldn't they get that light like did they like what it what went wrong here yeah so in my opinion the the best way to tell um if lighting is good like if a person is good at lighting is how they do a television scene um a scene where the or just any type of moving light so like how do they do um a scene that's lit solely by candlelight how do they do a scene that uses a fireplace or a like a fire pit um, how do they shoot a scene that's lit only by, um, like, torches? How do they do a scene that's only lit by a television? They luckily don't make it solely lit by a television, but they do have a scene where they use a television. And they're in a darker room. And the room is darker, but they don't do anything to show the light of the television really almost at all. Yeah. Actually, there's Even actually though- a shadow of the television on them. So they're lighting behind the television. Yeah, even though the television is on. Yeah, and so um, I think that that shows just like I don't even know if the grip or the um, the gaffer or whatever they label him as on this. Uh, they labeled him as a uh, hold on, as a chief lighting technician. Well, I think that they've done other work before. Yes, they had. I, I looked that up. And you can tell that there was. Either they did not have, like, any time at all to to set up lighting, or they just weren't that great. Yeah, and uh, there's another thing. Okay, so a lot of the time, a lot of the lighting in the interiors at, like, the homes is lit to, to make it look like all the light sources are practicals. So basically, what a practical is, is, like, if you have a shot and there's, like, a lamp that's on in the shot, that's called a practical. It means that you are using an actual light source that's in the frame. Like a television. Like a television. Or a candle. Or a candle or a lamp. And usually what you do is you have that lamp on, yes, but you also have light coming from, like, an actual film light illuminating the area around it. And it, it's giving that the excuse that it's actually the lamp that's that's the yeah. source of that light but they're like emphasizing the lamp light yeah yeah they're they're making it work for camera and in one scene um in the party scene at Katie's house when we go into her room her entire room appears to be lit by practicals by by these different lamps and one of them is uh, a china ball it, which is what we call it it in the industry like it's like one of those i'm pretty sure that's what it's called in general <laughs> is it what it's called in general? well it's like one of the well if you don't know what a china ball is in general it's one of those paper ball lamps. it's like the paper lamps that you can buy at like ikea yeah uh she's got one uh like hanging over her bed in a kind of a weird location to be honest and mm-hmm. at first i thought oh they're using that as a practical because in the industry china balls are actually used to deliver a nice soft light that's like an omni light. It's used a lot in in indie films and student films, especially since it's, it's so much cheaper than actually getting cheap, other lights. It's cheap, it's easy, and it, like, it just gives you a nice soft light. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I thought that they were doing, and they were just disguising it as like just a piece of decoration that she had in her room. But then I saw that there was this hard shadow of the china ball behind it on the wall, and I was like, what what is going on here so they're not even using it as a light really yeah because like they're like in real life it wouldn't have that shadow because it would be the light source yeah. on the wall most of the lighting doesn't there's no logical um conclusion of where the light is actually coming from all the time like, yeah it, there's it no feels known source strange. 
Um, and, like, there's some place where you feel like it should be coming from a window, but it's not coming from a window. Or it doesn't make sense where where it's coming from the window. And there was a couple of times where I even thought I could, like, in reflections, I thought I spotted in the same party scene at, at Katie's house. Mm-hmm. I thought I spotted a, a softbox in one of the, in the reflections. It was definitely a light source, but I couldn't tell exactly what it was. A softbox is something that p- they put over lights to, like, a... a- a cinema light to um to make it slightly less to to make it a softer light yeah so it's not so harsh yeah um, um the scene I think the one location that always looked bad though was the bathroom with lighting yeah because it was so inconsistent sometimes it would be lit from one side yeah sometimes it would be lit from a different side it I mean that happened also scene. in um in Janice's work too. But I think that the the issue with the the bathroom is that it's so harsh and unnecessarily harsh lighting. Yeah, that didn't quite make sense for what the room looked it lo- like. It looked like it was being li- in one scene. It looked like they had like twenty lights in, in this room. In one scene, it looked like they were being lit on a stage. That was how hard and like directional the light was. I was like, how did you fuck this up like this? I don't know. It was, uh, um, yeah. But, uh, so it just, it, it did not look good. And then the cinematography also, you could tell, I actually, like on, on a couple of things, I actually sat down and I drew out a diagram, like a, a fucking camera setup diagram for a couple of scenes, just cause I wanted to understand what the fuck was going on and what, and like, you can tell, like, this feels like one of the diagrams that I would have come up with to shoot something in film school, which is to say overly complicated, no clear direction. This also, like, actually, I wouldn't even say this is how you would shoot something in film school unless you were a freshman. Yeah, like something I... This is something you would shoot when your first, 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 first ever project, you would shoot it like this. Because, like, even, okay, I worked on your first film you ever made, and, um... Okay, that, I also had a really good DP on the first film I ever still, made. But still, like... And I also... It was, you shot it with a lot of shots, but it was not like this. Yeah. Your shots made sense. My shots this were shots, economical. Yeah, these shots don't. A lot of them, they flip the world, they they shoot from every direction, they... They don't pay attention to the, the backgrounds behind their They subjects. obviously didn't um, make... This is where we should talk about storyboards. They obviously didn't make storyboards. Or if they did, they didn't really follow them. Yeah, like, normally you would you would make storyboards of this is the shot we're getting in this scene, and this is another shot we're getting because we want to edit them together like this. Like, like a good director should be able to sit down and think, okay... A good director should be able to think like an editor. Okay, this is what the shot I want here and here and here and here. And then you get the shot and then you capture typically the whole scene with that shot. And so sometimes the editor is not going going to follow your storyboard at all. Like the editor doesn't get your storyboard. But ideally you should be shooting with a final edit in mind. Yeah, but here's the thing, like, like even the shots that they, they did get, um, it was obviously not discussed with the rest of the crew, and I don't even know if the production designer was on set sometimes, or even a set dresser sometimes, and I didn't know if they were on set, because there were so many blank walls. There were so many blank walls, like, for example, and there were so many times where, and, like, as a cinematographer, you would not want that. A A good cinematographer should have their entire frame in mind. They should be working with their director to block out a shot with the most interesting possible background. You know, so instead of shooting directly onto a black blank wall, maybe shoot a little bit into a corner with some interesting things on the wall to the side or yeah. something like that. Or if you have a lower budget, maybe like just bringing them out from Ah, oh, there was a couple of times a couple of shots where I was like this shot is so boring. And if you had just moved the character to the side here or moved the character to over here or blocked it differently or put something on that wall or stood them out a little bit or maybe used a softer focus to kind of hide the fact that you don't have a lot going on there. It, there was just so many issues where I was like that you there was a lack of forth forethought and for for looking into the into this into these shots that you made. And there were also quite a few shots where I was like 
why did you get that shot? You have another shot that's extremely similar to it mm -hmm. from the same angle, essentially the same camera position, just slightly scooted over. Why didn't you consolidate those shots? Yeah. I also feel like there was, <laughs> there's a lot of, um, they, they, they shot things in such a very, um, standard way in a lot of scenes. Yeah. Where they're just like, yes, we need a close-up and a medium close-up and we need a wide. Yeah. And they love close-ups. There was a lot of boring shots. The most interesting shots, <laughs> I think. They also don't do over the shoulders except, like, one or two times. Yeah, the, the, like, a lot of, a lot of times when you do close-ups, you have them, and especially when it's a couple of characters talking to each other, you do it, like, over the shoulder because that framing element looks nice. It leads your eye. It, it, it populates the frame a little bit more. It makes you feel like you're an observer. Yeah. In a situation, like, you could and be there. It, it's clear that it was a stylistic choice to have all of the, like, close-ups be from... Like, it looked like they were moving the character out and just placing the camera where that character stood and then shooting the close-up. Yeah, and I... And that worked in some places and not in others. I would... Here's the thing. I would... One thing I thought it would have worked if it was all... It was always... Because this whole film is in, um... Basically, m for the most part, in except for the scene she's not in, is in Caddy's perspective. Yeah. If they did that for every, like from her perspective, but when it was like other characters, it was over the shoulder. Yeah, and and we'll get to the editing when we get to it because it's also a bit of a mess. And there were some certain scenes that were shot and lit a lot better than others. Like for example, the talent show sequence. All of that was shot much better. There were yeah. interesting angles and the lighting from the they made good use of practicals yeah one of the scenes i actually really liked the lighting the um i'm not gonna say lighting but the one scene that i really liked how it was shot and done in general was the um the uh the cafeteria scene where they have the um the map the they map. have the map that they made and then it goes then it cut <laughs> like crossfades it crossfades into the different places yeah, yeah. I, I also liked how it was very clear that they did a... This is how you do a crossfade, actually. This is actually a well-done crossfade. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when they're... The scene where they're going around the the cafeteria to the different tables, it was clear that that wasn't, like, one take. Yeah. It was it was edited to look like one take, but what it was really clear is that they did the, the blur and the, the match cut in the blur. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't. It but wasn't it jarring good. or noticeable or anything. It was like that. well done, and it like worked. It, it only. I feel like it's only noticeable if you're really, really paying attention. But most like if you aren't. know what you if you know what to look for. Yeah, and it might only be on a rewatch that you're gonna get it. Yeah, and the only reason why I knew what to look for is because I, I was I've done those for before. <laughs> I've done those before, and I know what I'm looking for. Yeah, I know what it looks like as opposed to. Yeah, that's how that is. Yeah. Um. And that was interesting. Um, but yeah, it was just... Uh, um, and also, the yeah, the way that it was shot was strange. And it's like, why did you get some of these shots? Some of them don't make sense. It, uh. And the thing to think about is also, they have all these shots, but they also probably have like five or six other shots in all these locations and yeah. all these scenes. Unless they used every shot they got. Which I highly doubt. Which I highly doubt. I've worked on projects where we shoot, like, from, tw like, we shoot 20 different types of shots, and we used maybe five. Kind a dialogue scene, you normally shoot, like, a medium, a close-up, a wide, a couple of creative shots, because, you know, we're pretentious. Yeah. Um, everybody wants to put something on a dolly or a steady cam. Everybody wants to fucking use that steady cam. Yeah. Anyway, there were a few shots that I, I, I liked. Uh, for example, in the party confession scene, they put they put the close-up on Aaron and on uh, Katie. It's on a slight Dutch tilt. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. I feel like that was the... Um, and worked with, with the scene as, as it was going. Probably the cinematographer's suggestion. Yeah. He was just like, oh, we can do this. That would look interesting, and it, it is, was edited well into that. Um, and it really helped emphasize sort of the, un, like, K, like whole, Katie's whole thing coming undone. 
in that moment. Yeah, the um the scene with the uh the prom scene wasn't badly shot. It was kind of just generic. Yeah. That that that's that's its biggest sin with the visuals is that they're just kind of generic. Like I've seen how they like I've seen this before. Like this is how so many things are shot, especially yeah. in the 2000s, like a lot of things are shot this way. Okay, so that's the end of part one of our Mean Girls review. Just a quick bit of housekeeping. Uh, we are doing a rate and review sweepstakes on iTunes. Basically, you leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and then you get entered into a random drawing, and the winner of that random drawing uh, gets to pick what we cover in a future episode. Whether it be a TV show or a movie... Or we could even do music videos, or really anything that's a audiovisual experience. Yes, yes, yes. We also have, uh, and we're doing that so that we can get some more ratings and reviews on iTunes, because that'll help grow the show, you know, get us up the charts, or grow our audience, and that's kind of what we need right now at the show. Uh, we also have a Patreon. Uh, we are trying to get funding uh, for, well, our rent. Uh, as well as, um, to get... New, like, potentially getting a different sound equipment to uh, use. The biggest goal right now is to get, uh, transcriptions done for the episodes. because, uh, quite frankly, uh, JJ and I don't, like, have the time or resources to do those right now. Um, so we'd like to pay somebody else to do those transcriptions, but we need the funds to do that. Which we currently don't really have. So we've got uh, $2, $5, and $10 tiers. People who donate $10 will also have access to exclusive bonus content and different things. We are currently doing uh, recaps uh, slash reviews of the new episodes of Game of Thrones as they're coming out. We literally just recorded the first one. Yep. And it, um, it was an episode. Fan service episode, but an episode. It was an episode. Um, the, the episode that... We, the, the episode of Game of Thrones, not the episode that we just recorded. Oh, no. That wasn't too fan-servicey, I don't think. Oh, definitely not. We definitely not. didn't service certain fans. We, we serviced our own interest. <laughs> there will be certain fans who will be angry with the words that we say. But anyway, those will be available to $10 patrons. Uh, we're also going to be doing, like, music video reviews and trailer reviews and other little bonus content that will be only available to $10 patrons. Um, we have social media. We've got a uh, Twitter at filmmatespodco uh, one We've got a Gmail, filmmatespodcast at gmail.com. So you can send us in uh, questions, uh, feedback, suggestions for things to, to cover, etc., etc., etc. And we also have a Tumblr. Uh, or follow us on Twitter or Tumblr if you want to get updates of the episodes and other fun little tidbits that we might talk about. We also have a YouTube where we're posting full the, the full episodes on. And th that's also where, once we do get transcriptions, we will be adding them to the YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. So, if you want them like that. And also, we're going to be having them in a written format that we're going to post on our Patreon uh, once we get the funding to do those. That's it for this week. Next week will be Mean Girls Part 2. And, yeah, that's all. Actually, I just want to clarify. That's Part 2 of... The first Mean Girls, not Mean Girls number the, two. Not Mean Girls two, obviously. <laughs> We're not torturing ourselves. <laughs> yes, which will focus on the editing, writing, a little bit of the casting, and uh, other small details, things that we like, things that we didn't like. How did it hold up? And that'll be the focus of part two. All right, uh, so that's it for this week. See ya. Bye.